Welcome to season three of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they are eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, where we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Now, in season one, we talked about jobs. In season two, we talked about investment. We talked about sponsorship, follow the money. And now in season three, we're talking more about how to get some of the nuts and bolts of actually running an esports organization. We call it Esports 101. Now, today, I am really happy to have um, a whole team here, which is which is always always makes this a whole lot more interesting than um, uh, than just talking to one person. So today we have uh, Nick Turner, who's from. Um, I have to look at my notes here. I got so many. I've got many hats. We have, uh, we, we, we have Nick Turner, who's, who's an esports um, expert and consultant, but he also works at Queen Mary's College in the UK. Now, when we talked to him earlier, he said you should really talk to this this esports team. And I'm going to have to ask you to pronounce. Is it control? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, so I, I hit I hit it right the first time. So uh, control. So we have we have the, the whole team of control. We have Harry, Will, Ben, and George, and we'll talk to them each in more detail. But one of the things that we want to talk about here in this particular conversation is creating an esports team because we talk about it a lot of times um, about how it should be done. When here we get to talk to people that have actually done it, so it makes it a lot more fun. So welcome everyone. Thank Thanks for having us on. Uh, so, um, yeah, just to start out, uh, where, where's everyone located? Um, Harry. Oh, so, um, I, I live in Andover in Hampshire, which is quite down south in comparison to the whole of the UK. And then, uh, it's it. the same for the most of the guys, but, um, I'll let them, let them tell yourself. How about you, Will? Uh, I'm a bit further towards the coast. I'm from Bournemouth, so a bit further away from the college, but pretty close, really. Okay. How about you, George? Uh, I'm also from Andover. Like Harry. Okay. And Ben? Andover as well for me. Yeah. Great. Great. And how about you, Nick? Where are you from? So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the South Coast, just, just above the South Coast. Obviously work, uh, in Basingstoke with the, with the lads here. But yeah, I'm, I'm on the South Coast. Um, about an hour from London. Okay. So, so just starting out with you, Nick, a little bit. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing there? at the school uh, maybe a yeah. little bit more about school because one of the things i'm interested in is what level the students are that you're talking to yeah. and what it is that you're talking to them about yeah so queen mary's college in basingstoke is, is essentially in the uk the leading provider of esports um and that stems from a few things we uh the, the director of esports uh james fraser murison he was part of the team that wrote the BTEC qualification in esports um, and while he was doing that, we got funded, the college got funding from a local business enterprise for about a quarter of a million pounds. So we built a bespoke facility where we've got two gaming arenas with over 50 machines, uh, streaming room, yoga and Pilates, a nice little cafe. And then upstairs, we've got sort of normal, what you would call normal teaching spaces. Um, I was working at a, uh, an esports company at the time. Um, but previously I'd been in education for 10 years as, as head of media games and IT. Um, and I spoke with James about the, he was sort of like asking for some thoughts and ideas on the, on the setup of the facility, which at that point, I honestly thought there's no way this is going to happen. An esports facility at a, a further education college. Uh, and I said to him at the time, you do realize that if this happens, you need to employ me. And essentially that's, that, that's what happened. Um, so the qualification that, that the students, the four students here are on, um, is 16 to 18 year old education. So finished compulsory mandatory school. Um, they've done their GCSEs and then they come to further education college to study either A levels or B tech. Um, the esports is a B tech qualification, which is the equivalent of three A levels. And then that's a two year uh, study program. And then after that, learners can either go off to higher education into university to do degrees 
or um, you know look for apprenticeship or employment. Um, and so the the, the four uh, that we've got on today, Will, Ben, George, and Harry, started the esports course back in September twenty one. I, I think that's right. So they're just yeah. coming to the end of their two year course. Literally a couple of weeks left before they they, they graduate from college. Um, and the course itself is is a really kind of well balanced course, and it was designed in a way that colleges across the country can deliver it without having specialist kind of esports knowledge as such, because you can draw units from sports, business, media, IT. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's quite a broad qualification. Um, and fortunately, at QMC, because it's QMC, you know, we we're lucky enough in that we have. Uh, three members of four members of staff who are both qualified teachers and experienced teachers but have also um, worked in industry and experienced industry so you know we're, we're very lucky at QMC and and just for example Will who earlier said he's a bit further away on the south coast you know what Will didn't tell you is that he gets up at 5 30 every morning to get on a train which is approximately an hour or something um, and arrives at college for his nine o'clock lessons um, that's the impact that the facilities had in that students are coming from a much wider geographical area than they would normally do for, for a college like that because they want to study esports. And when you see the facility at QMC, it's a no brainer for them, you know, and, you know, we have waiting lists for people to get on the course. We started off the first year with just kind of two groups with about 27 students and three years down the road, we're now um, we've got over 150 esports students that are studying, uh, you know, this, this broad plethora of, of subjects within it. So, uh, is that fairly unusual to have that kind of a program? Are there a lot of other places in the UK where that have similar programs at that level or are you? Yes. Unique? No. So when the BTEC was first launched, because we knew it was coming, uh, we were one of probably handful four or five colleges that that started to run the course um now i think there's over 170 colleges that are, that are running the esports course so in kind of in two years time there will be a lot of students uh finishing their their college time with a qualification in esports um and what what that's kind of done is it's it's refocused a whole uh kind of education system around something completely new uh, and with the digital generation and the, and, and the, the, the employment opportunities that are available, you know, just in the UK alone, the esports industry is bigger than the film and the music industries combined. Um, but we've been borrowing staff and people and employees from other, um, other industries, you know, the, the broadcasters are coming from TV and the, the IT people are coming from all sorts of IT. Um, so, so, you know, we're looking to kind of like build that next generation of people that are coming out with, Qualifications that involve very transferable skills that they can take into lots of other industries, but with a baseline understanding of esports in the, in the industry and those specific things, um, things within it. But then when you go on to higher education, so at university level, there were previously degrees that had been written, not many, you know, there was probably four or five universities, um, that were running esports degrees and they were very kind of specialist because the people that had written those degrees, um, and run those degrees had a specific skill set, usually directly from working in industry. Um, whereas now, because we've suddenly got, you know, we will have thousands of people at 18 years old finishing an esports qualification, then that landscape's changing because universities are, are now recognizing the need to meet, um, the, the, the demands and the needs of the students. Um, I think. With QMC, it's not that we're unique in running the course. I think we're just quite unique in the setup, the fact that we were first, the fact that we, uh, everybody knows us, everybody watches us. Um, you know, which has its, it, it definitely has its good things, its advantages, but also, um, you know, being under the spotlight all the time puts, does put pressure on, you know, on, on the college as a whole. Um, but we embrace that. Um, and we take every opportunity that comes our way. And as a result, we're able to pass on those opportunities to the students. Um, you know, and, and the, the four in front of us today have had some amazing opportunities. Um, mainly because not because of us, because they deserve those opportunities. You know, they've stood out at college. 
and we're going to hear all about that. And, and as a result, you know, we've been able to help them along the way and give them opportunities which they've grasped, taken forward to become, you know, what they are today, which is a, a very well recognised um, and respected grassroots organisation. Yeah, that's it, all kinds of uh, great stuff there. Yeah, I'm going to go around the room here, around the screen, and ask each each person here to talk about what what it is that they want to get out of an esports curriculum there. But first, Nick, I wanted to ask you, could you explain a little bit for those of us that aren't familiar, what, what is BTEC? Okay, so BTEC um, is a qualification. When, when you reach uh, after school, when, when you finish school and you go to college, you realistically, there are two different routes you can go down. One being A-levels, which is a seen as a much more academic route that generally involves two years of study, which culminates in intense period at the end where they sit uh, sit exams and historically it's always been A-levels and, and probably 20 years ago so when I was at school I didn't have the option of a BTEC and the BTEC are at the same level so they're worth the same value um, but they're considered vocational so instead of um, things like geography and maths and, and those things you know you, you would have BTECs in catering and hairdressing and tourism and esports and media production you know, things that you can't necessarily assess in the space of a two hour or three hour exam. Um, the students have the opportunity to do all of the work that they produce and that's assessed is coursework. So there's no exams uh, in, in the BTEC for esports at the moment. And but they're continually being assessed. So every couple of weeks um, there's assignments that they have to complete and hand in. Uh, you know, which are marked and, and, and then that at the end of it, all of the points that they gather throughout the two years, uh, culminates in a final grade, which is like a triple grade. So it might be distinction, 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 or pass, 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 et cetera. You know, and, and, and the lads we've got in front of us today are all kind of like heading for distinctions, triple distinctions, distinction stars, um, you know, because they've been excellent students. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's the pathway, the progression route into higher education. If that's the, you know, if, if, if university is what you want to do, then you would need to do either A-levels or a BTEC to prove that you're capable of doing a degree. One of the things here in the U.S., there's just not really that same structure to the same degree, which which would be, there's always a lot of talk about how, you know, does everyone really need to go to college? What we call college, I think it's university there. It's like, you know, maybe maybe it, there's, a, there's a role for more uh, vocational education out there to to put people you know into jobs that don't necessarily require you know a, a bachelor's or a, or or yeah. uh, that kind of university degree so it's always interesting to hear what, how how people how different um places are are approaching it so yeah i want to go around the room here let's talk with you uh first harry so maybe tell a little bit about yourself and what is it it, it sounds it sounds like a tough question maybe it's not what, what, do, what do you want to get out of um your your work in esports there in the program as in control or like the course i'm doing at college in in the bigger scope of things because um why did you go down this road why did you choose to to go and spend so much time in esports what do you wh where do you see that taking you down the road so obviously since young i've really enjoyed like gaming you know competitive gaming getting into all that sort of stuff so that's been a passion of mine since i was very little since like, before i can remember so um, that's naturally just stuck with me. And then when I was looking to go to college and I saw this course, you know, it was very new. As Nick said, with the facilities I've got at the college, it was kind of a no-brainer for me because it was giving me a chance to do something that I wanted to do and that if I had like an interest in. So being able to do that was really exciting for me. So that was kind of like my stepping stone into esports, taking this course at college, all these new column modules that you get to do. It was quite exciting for me. And obviously meeting all these guys, starting up control, it's kind of helped me again, get my foot into the door. That give me more of an insight into what I will go on to do after college, which is hopefully university, staying within esports. I'm kind of following, following on from that route, so so I can then try and find work. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Ben? What uh, what, yeah. what brought you into the the program there? Um, well, I was in school with Harry before we went to college, and we both like played games together after college, after school, even during the summer holidays, things like that. And then I was kind of looking at the different courses, like the A level courses. I was thinking like, oh, like I could do this. It would lead to a good job, but would I really enjoy it in the long run? Like I'd be doing two years of studying just to go into a job that I probably wouldn't enjoy, wouldn't want to do for much longer. And then I saw the eSports co uh, course. So I was looking at different colleges at the time. There wasn't that many, but um, 
saw Queen Mary's and I thought the facilities are really good. I've also heard really good reviews about the course already from students there. So I thought this is something I'll enjoy doing. So I thought it'd be something I'd good at because I was actually enjoying what I was doing. So then uh did the course. Wasn't really friends with Georgia well at the start of the year, but they grew on me a little bit. And then um, we started control. And then, yeah, it's just it's kept going since then. What games were you and Harry playing? Uh, we both started playing Valorant. We weren't very good. We were probably like the lowest rank possible, but we slowly made our way through it. Yeah, yeah. have to start somewhere. How about you, George? What, what brought you into the program and what do you want to do with it? Um, so I started off playing games. I'm sure you've had a Fortnite. I played Fortnite quite a bit with, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's, it was, it was really interesting because I was talking to a neighbor, literally two houses away here, and he has created some of the maps that, um, that are on Fortnite. It's like, oh, wow, right. you're, you actually created those maps. Like, yeah, the, what, what so, yeah I've heard of it. And now their maps is incredible. Yeah, I started playing Fortnite and then I met Will online. Um, and I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do at college. I was looking at more like maths and business studies because I've always liked Interesting. numbers. Um, but I decided oh, I'll give I'll give esports a go, um, and it's been great to be honest. And I think for the future, I definitely want to go into uh, an esports role, maybe a media or marketing role. Uh, I think that'd suit me. In in the program there, uh, George, that you're going through, is there a lot of opportunity to learn things outside of just basic gaming. Do you get to learn also things about marketing and media and and, yeah. and other business types of um, subjects? Yeah, definitely. We, we've done several units on uh, marketing and branding. Um, I mean, yeah, currently one of our units right now is actually branding, where we have to create our own brand um, and activate it as if it is the real thing, um, which gives us a great insight on all the different marketing techniques that we have to use or how to actually go about designing stuff or outsourcing to different people, um, which is great, great to have. One of the things yeah, that we... Go ahead. If I could just chip in, in there, Tom. Um, one thing to definitely make clear is that the, the, the qualification is not a gaming qualification. So they, we don't teach them how to play. We don't in, improve their, their gameplay as such. It is about the industry. It's about employment. It's about opportunities. It's about business. And it covers all, you know, look at shoutcasting, coaching, nutrition, um, strategies and skills within games. And, and so there is a gaming element to it in that at various points. They will be gaming. They will be playing and they'll be shoutcasting over, over the top of that. They'll be live streaming. They'll be looking at, um, performance analysis and doing those sorts of things. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that we have to get through to the parents when they come and visit for open evenings in that they're sort of like, so are they just going to game? And it's sort of like, no, it, it's not a gaming qualification. And, you know, and the, um, the team here will, will be testament to that in that they don't get to game all the time. However, they do get to game at various things for, you know, rewards. You know, if they finish their work, then we'll let them go and play in the arena. But also we've got the student championships. Um, the nationwide, uh, competition with other colleges whereby they compete every Wednesday afternoon. And we've got kind of like teams across, uh, rosters across five, five games. Um, so, you know, it's while it's gaming and esports focused, uh, that focus is predominantly, um, predominantly within industry, but which is great because you see, you know, you see the students come in with one thing in mind, you know, like George was going to, said about you know was maybe looking at business and and something else what did you say george was it maths Maths, yeah yeah maths and i mean who wants to do maths really um whereas <laughs> part of the esports course is you know they get that business experience they learn all of these other areas that they can go into and it opens their eyes to, to to the different opportunities um you know which is one of the sort of like the key points if you like of that qualification what it would be like going into hotel and catering school because you, you you like to eat, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly. and that's all you want to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to course. All I'm going to do is eat. And there's a little bit more to yeah. it. How about you, Will? What what uh, what brought you to the program, and what do you want to do with it? Um, so ever since a child, I've been playing games like competitive games. And as George mentioned, uh, I met him online, and we played Fortnite together. And honestly, when I was coming up to the end of my education, like GCSEs and stuff, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Um, I couldn't really find any course. And then luckily I came across QMC at the eSports course. So I took one look around and that sold me straight away. I mean, the facilities are so good. Um, 
and also the course as well. I mean, if you look at the units and can, stuff, can, it's not can it, let, let me interrupt you there yeah. just, just for one second because you said you came across it. What, where did you come across it? Because it's really interesting to me about, you know, did you hear it from friends? Did, was Nick doing some really great advertising out there? What, what exactly <laughs> brought it to your attention? So I was just kind of scrolling on Instagram one day. Um, and I came across Instagram, the, uh, Nick, Instagram. <laughs> and I saw James, uh, next colleague, um, he posted about making this arena. Um, so I looked into it more and I saw they were actually making an esports course. And that's kind of what drove me to do it. Got it. Got it. So where do you, what do you want to do with the, with what you're learning there? I think I want to get into a job, uh, within the esports industry as George mentioned, maybe like a marketing role or just kind of like a general role in esports, really. Anything will do. Yeah, because it's one of the things, one of the stories that we keep hearing and we want to keep telling is just how many jobs there are in esports. It's yeah, like, it's amazing how many like opportunities there are. Because people think esports, they think of you have to be a streamer, you have to be a player. Yeah. That's like in the entertainment business, the only thing you could be is an actor. It's like, no, no, no. The world is, I mean, the industry is so much more varied than that. I want to talk a little bit about, about control because, and I want to talk specifically about how it came about. Because I think one of the stories that we can keep telling here on the podcast, because we want to give other people the um, inspiration of how, you know, how you guys did it is not going to be the same how someone in Zambia is going to do it or someone in South Africa or someone in Chile. But what's going to happen is you can always spark the idea that, oh, okay. Because one of the things we found is a lot of people in our audience, they really go through stories of how other people in other places, no matter how dissimilar how they, how they did it and how they can translate that into their own experience. And that's why I wanted to go back to the very beginning before anyone even had an idea of control. Whose idea was it? Um, so it was me and George's actually while we were playing Fortnite and we saw these big teams doing really well. Uh, and as we were like, we were going to come to the college, we thought, oh, we might as well try and make a team. Um, but we didn't really do it until we came to college and we got the experience from Nick who was teaching us. And then we brought our friends along, Harry and Ben. Just kind of uh, just going along with this with our journey. Can you talk a little bit about how you pick other people? And don't <laughs> not, not these other two guys in particular, but in, in general, if you're if you're out there and you're you're creating your own team, what should you look for in team members in general? Not not this group here. Well, when, uh, when you're, honestly, just like really passionate people. It's um, like the main factor, really. How about you, Ben? What, what would you say if you if you're giving someone advice on selecting team members? What's the most um, important thing? I'd probably say that they're dedicated, they're willing to learn, and um, that they are putting themselves out there for the experience, as well as trying to make connections within the industry. That's the main thing we look for when we're trying to hire people. Yeah, definitely. Do they have to have the best? Are they? Do they need to be the best players? Um, well, uh, it depends what role they're going for, really. Yeah, because when we first started, we didn't have the best teams. Definitely not. They, they definitely weren't the best teams. But <laughs> they were, they were. We were, our whole thing was we were trying to nurture talent at the time. So we were trying to help them improve. We did that with our staff team as well, not just our players, like our management. We aren't looking for people with like the best experience. We're looking for people who are, we know are going to be active. They're going to be dedicated and that we think we're going to be able to help push forward within the industry. Cause I think that's really important, helping people who are just getting started out get forward. Ben, can you talk a little bit more you know, about you're, you're saying you want people to get better? And I mean, f from a player standpoint. So if, if you are, are managing a team, if you're a coaching, if you're a coach at a team, what is it that you can do to help someone other than saying, go play more? What, what's the best advice you can give people to, uh, to uh, help them improve? Like you're saying you were, you were, you were working on there. Obviously, like you said, playing more will help, but I think. Doing the research is one of the most important things you can do. Like every game has specific strategies that you need to learn, different metas that are constantly changing. I think that's one of the most important things you can do is just going through them, learning them, making sure you're knowledgeable about the game. Because obviously skill is just important, like it's just as important as knowledge. But when it comes down to game sense, it's one of the biggest things that a lot of teams are going to look for because aim can be improved, skill can be improved through time and practice. But knowledge is something that a lot of players have a unique thing for which is like the top 500 players they're not just got the most insane name they have, they're just knowledgeable about the game about what they're doing they're able to independently think as well as direct their team in the right direction we were talking with ronnie lucigi in um, in uh, kenya in nairobi and he was talking about he took his team to istanbul with the uh, global esports federation uh, 
uh, event there. And before, as part of the training, he had he happened to be um, went to uh, high school, went to secondary school with with uh, Ferdinand, whose last name I can't pronounce, but who's one of the fastest men in, in Kenya, one of the fastest men in the world. And he was, he was friends with him. So he had him come over and talk to the team, not, not to make, not to give them tips on how to be a better runner. And, and, and he was not a, 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 a gamer, so he could do that, but he was teaching them mindset and talking about how to go out and do what made me think of a Ben was when you're talking about research, do you research on, on your, um, your opponents. And so then Ronnie went to, um, the, the team went to, um, Istanbul. One of the players that maybe not the top player. He was like, he was always taking notes on the competition so that, and, and Ronnie was like, what are you doing? He said, Oh no, no, Ferdinand explained to me how important it was to do this. So he was always taking notes and, uh, it, it just became a much better, much better player there. So Harry, what about, um, what, how did you join control? So as Will said, you know, it was kind of Will and George's idea. They met, uh, just before college started. And then we were, me and Ben were kind of brought on a little bit after, after we, you know, met each other, got to know each other a little bit more. It was kind of them getting to know us and then bringing us on board with the idea. So obviously with us all doing an esports course together, all of us like sharing the same passion. They thought they'd, you know, bring us on board because we share the same core of like interest and wanting to create a team. So then me and Ben just thought, okay, yeah, let's give it a go, see what we can do, see what we can, you know, take our interest and push it towards, you know, a career. Hopefully that's what we want to make out of control. What games do you play? What games does the, does Control play? So Control are currently in Valorant and Rocket League. Valorant is our kind of our main one that we focus on. So we kind of devote a lot of our time into making our Valorant team the best they can be. So we've kind of got our team competing in one of the highest you compete in because we um and we take them to like events and stuff. So we recently went up to Birmingham for Insomnia, which is quite a popular event in the UK. And our Valorant team had a very high placing in that event. So that was quite good for us. And obviously with a good placing comes like, you know, good like PR, good like brand image, that sort of stuff. So it's not just about necessarily like the player's performance. It really helps us as a brand if we place well, because it would just affect us like positively because it's looked good for our brand. So I feel like it's not just how, you know, the players do. So if the players have like a bad event, it's not really the end of the world. And the players shouldn't be like take that negatively. They should, you know, just go for the experience. I felt that's the kind of the main thing with our Valorant team, at least, because they went to this event and did quite well. It was a really good, uh, Really good event for our brand. How did you pick those two games? I think one of the questions are, okay, oh, I want to go start a team, but it's like, <laughs> okay, what games? Yeah, there's, there's some, you know, you've already mentioned a few of the really good ones out there. How, how did you pick those particular games? I think it may have just came because all of us naturally play these games. So all four of us, you know, we play Valorant together, we play Broccoli together. And naturally those titles are very like big esports titles, like, you know, thousands and millions of people watch those events. And naturally we want to try and create teams and compete at the highest level that we can in the most popular titles because that will not only give us like a fighting chance and like competing in the high tournaments but that'll naturally get our brand out there a little bit more yeah george is that the way you saw them uh so you guys picking the uh the two titles there yeah 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 couldn't have said it by myself yeah okay yeah um not not checking just and as as well as control tom i mean the 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 these four are very humble lads, you know, and, and they don't like talking about all the stuff that they've done. Um, and, and they're being quite modest here in, in the sense of, um, you know, and they're talking about branding and brand awareness and social media and, and, you know, marketing the organization as well as running control esports. Um, uh, and I'll, I'm, I'm quite happy to hand over here to, to George. Um, but they, they've also been for probably a year now. Acting as consultants for Guild Esports, which you may have heard of David Beckham's team. Yes. Um, yes. Because, you know, they were recognized for what they were achieving in terms of their, the stats on socials. Um, and obviously they're of that. Um, you know, let, let's not forget that, that they're 17, 18, 16 when they started control. Um, so they were that mindset of, the, of, of that target audience of the youngsters where Guild are looking to kind of like develop and build and grow. Um, you know, so, so, you know, George, did you want to talk about what you've been, what you've been doing with, um, with Guild? Yeah. So we, we've done an array of tasks. Um, pretty much they'd give us anything, um, which we'd happily take because it builds all of our experience, whatever we do. Um, but we'd do anything from finding contacts where they could reach out to potentially, uh, finding a new player, 
or we it could just be a simple task of create a document um, and we could just fill it out with different people that we think would suit the organization best. And that's really helped us develop all of our skills within the um, the esports industry, then take on for ourselves as well. Oh, that's, that's a big deal there to be able to do that. <clears throat> and, the, and as a result of things like that, you know, the networking that, that the guys are doing, um, you know, fairly recently, the esports news UK, which is one of the sort of like largest esports specific news outlets uh, in the UK, you know, ran a, a story on them. You know, and when I speak to some of my contacts, like they, they know who control are, you know, we, we obviously know who control are because we see them every day. You know, we've been teaching them. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I sometimes forget just how, how well, uh, they have promoted themselves as an organization and the fact that, the, that this industry recognition, you know, even today there was, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, a very well respected member of the scene here was kind of like said, yeah, these guys, you know, you should be speaking to these guys because they know exactly what they're doing. Um, and I think they take it for granted, to be honest, Tom, you know, I think that they're, they're, they're just getting on and doing what they want to do. They're just, you know, they're living their, living the passion that they've got. Um, you know, and at the college, we've got like a college partnership program with Fnatic, um, and they do online talks and we get to go up there and, and, and things like that. And all of these things, you know, some students don't necessarily realize just how valuable that insight is, that information that they're gleaning from these organizations. Um, you know, whereas, uh, Will, Harry, Ben and George do, they understand it. They, they take on board everything. They listen to everything and they're kind of, implementing that within control which is why they're you know which is why they're so successful and um you know my consultancy company nte sports for a unit they had to pitch their enterprise they had to pitch their idea and most of the students had to kind of like come up with an idea and you know almost like a pretend idea and obviously because of control these four were pitching uh their organization and when they were pitching and they were showing me all of the progress that they'd made which you know, you talk about it, so you're aware of it. But when it's all in front of you in a in a, in a pitch, and all the stats are up there, um, you know, I was so impressed with the development and the progress that they'd made. You know, that was when I decided for, that my company would kind of put my money where my mouth is, you know, and, and just help them along the way with a little bit of sponsorship. Um, um, you know, and, and in doing that, it's kind of it's so exciting when they're playing it, like, you know, when they're at Insomnia and Epic Land and they're playing in the tournaments and making it to the finals and the main stage and I'm watching it on, on Twitter, you know, and, and you can see the teams in the shirts, you know, with the, with, with your sponsor on it. You know, it's really exciting. You know, my eight year old, just before this podcast, I, I said, come on in because, because he watches the Valorant, you know, when they play that. Um, and he was quite starstruck. It was, it was, it was really cute. I was sort of like, no, that's real. There's Ben, there's George, there's Harry, and they're like, hi, hi, Bobby, how's it going? Um, you know, because he's just used to, he's just used to seeing the shirt, you know, he's, you know, to him, they're, they're a, a team, you know, a, a proper team that he's, that he's able to watch. And then all of a sudden he's got the, the bosses sat on, on my computer. Um, and, you know, it's kind of from a group of 17, 16 to 18 year olds to achieve what they've achieved is, is really quite phenomenal. Is that is that is that one of their um, jerseys behind you there, Nick? Yeah. So the, the the jersey on the wall that's that was the jersey I got when I sponsored them, and I've got my I sponsored my company on the on the arm, which I'm I'm very pr- proud of. And obviously they've got they've got their shirts on on there today, but it's a smart looking shirt as well. <laughs> you know, I like I, I like it. How important? Let me just go back to you, George. How important is merchandising? Um, I definitely say it's important because it gets your brand out there, especially if you're going to events. So for us, um, as we do go to events, it's definitely something that we make sure we have for the players because we can get so much exposure from it um, and definitely for our sponsors as well. But if you're a team that's just started, I don't think it's something that you should focus on. Um, You should just focus on trying to build something uh, have a team that start to do well and then you can branch out from there it's going to take a while to to do it i mean it's taken us nearly two years to do what we've done and we started right at the at the very bottom we had to find everything ourselves we had to do everything ourselves um but i definitely think it's something that um you definitely becomes more important the further down the line you are 
kind of, kind of, well, maybe Harry, maybe you could talk about where do you come up with the graphic ideas or who, who there, who on your team point to someone else if they're the right one, who does the graphics for, uh, for the social media or for the jerseys or who does that? And how, do, how do you decide, how do you decide what, what gets approved? So, uh, on our jersey, we've got ESK who, uh, designed like the jersey, you know, how it looks and everything. So we, uh, we have a, you know, connection with the SK and we kind of, uh, have an email chat with them and they kind of give us like mock-ups. So they'll send us a design. We'll go, yeah, no, we like this. Or could you possibly change this, change this? And they just kind of, you know, work with us. And once we had the final, you know, the final like mock-up, we were like, no, this is perfect. This is great. So that was the jersey. We have this connection with the SK. And then for the social media, we have a graphics designer. We have two, I think. Two, yeah. We have two graphic designers that cover, you know, like match day posts. So if our team are playing in an event, they create a little graphic to, you know, like kind of catch the eye of any kind of like viewers or like audience online. They'll see this graphic old control playing in this event. Come watch on our Twitch. That sort of thing. It's kind of just to like create this graphic so it catches the eye of anyone's like scrolling down Twitter or something. It's created to, you know, just kind of you know, grab their attention. See how are we are these students as well? Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. They're not. But they can literally be from anywhere. I think one of our graphic designers is from Ukraine. So it doesn't have to be strictly, you know, near us or anything. It can be global, really, if, just, if they have talent. Yes, we have, uh, for the podcast, we have really good videos TikTok videos that are put together by uh, uh, a woman in uh, Ghana. All she right. just she could just do she she creates these little things on CapCut, and I'm like, yeah. man, that is just that it, to me is is just amazing. So let's talk about sponsorship a little bit. As everyone, that, that's always the big thing. How do I get some money to make this thing work? So maybe Ben, maybe we'll start talking with you about sponsorship. What? Where does a team like control, and I'm not, not necessarily looking for exact, uh, connections that you have, but a, a team like control, where do you find sponsors? How do you recruit sponsors? Um, so when we originally got HP, it was due to James and Nick who managed to get us a pitch with them. So we, uh, were at bet all day where Will, George and Harry were playing a rocket league and I was, uh, supplying them with Mars bars to keep them going. And then afterwards we did our HP pitch that we put together. I think we had around 60 followers at the time. Um, but it was a lot more geared towards helping students and education. So then they decided to sponsor us. And then ever since then, we've just been trying to prove ourselves more and more to, um, make it worth HP's while. Cause we were so thankful for what they did for us. Um, cause they paid for our jerseys to be designed and paid for us, us four to get our jerseys. And then now we're kind of at a different level to what we were before. I think finding sponsors, it's kind of, seeing what you're good at as an organization. And then it's also about making sure your brand is well developed. It has a unique look and it's just about finding the niche that you can go to them and say, look, I'm doing this. It's different to this. And making sure that you're creating a whole plan, showing them step by step what you would do with their sponsorship is so important because they want to know what's going on. They want to be able to support you with that as well. Cause we, um, we have regular meetings with our sponsors, HP and Intel and showing them what they're doing. They're like, that's amazing stuff. I think it's just keeping them updated when you do get a sponsor and when you're approaching them, you kind of, you just need to obviously approach them with like professionalism, but also, you know, big yourself up a bit. You're going with them. You're doing well, that kind of thing. When we were talking with Luca Tocconi, who does Red Bull, he works for Red Bull South Africa, which of course spends a lot of money on, on sponsorship. And his, his advice was, um, first meeting should be all about him, not about, not about, who wants the money? Because he says people will come to him and they'll be like, Oh, you know, if you can give me money, I'm going to be really, really good. And, and, you know, and spread the word about you. And he's like, that's not really the, a good sponsorship uh, message out there. I was also going to talk to Nick. We'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, health and wellness, this Mars bar thing. It's like, uh, I, I don't know what Nick is teaching you there. We'll talk about, talk about that uh, uh, in a little more detail. You were talking about Ben, you were talking about getting back and having meetings with the sponsors. What are the kinds of things? I just, I just think the detail here is really, really good for people to hear. What are the kinds of things when you're talking back to your sponsors? What is it that they want to know? What, what kind of metrics? What, what are they looking for to call it a success? Um, so obviously, cause we're kind of geared towards promoting their brand through our sponsorship program. So they're kind of asking us questions about 
uh, like our Twitter and TikTok like analytics, things like that, impressions, reach. But they're also they're also like they care. They care about us as a team. They're going, you know, like what's how, what, how can we support you further? Not just financially, but with experience. Because obviously, HP and Intel are, are such big businesses. They're going, you know, if you do you want to do work experience with us, that kind of thing. They're also um, so when they're asking about like what kind of events we've got coming up, what's like the news with our teams, things like that. Because they're they're not just kind of look oh like get their sponsorship and go. They're they're really invested in what you're trying to say to them. Um, they want to like be able to support the team, and that's their main thing. But we're having meetings. We're going. We're just talking about what's new with us, what's new with them, kind of thing. So Harry is is Nick teaching the the team there um, how to get sponsors? Is that part Isn't of the program? Part of our course? Yeah, I guess so in a way. I wouldn't say there's anything directly linked towards it, but I guess it's the sort of thing you kind of just like pick up because naturally, kind of like do sorry doing through our course with all the kind of like variety of things you'll learn. It's just sort of thing that you just like pick up and naturally through like units like we did an enterprise and entrepreneurship bit like a unit where you learn about how, you know, set up a business, what it takes to create a business and like run it. So sort of things that you just like pick up naturally. And obviously if you went to Nick directly and gone, how could I, you know, approach a sponsor? How could I, you know, handle a sponsor? What could I say to him? He'd be more than happy to help, I'm sure. So it's a, uh, that's also quite a good thing about our course is that our teachers are very, you know, they're open, they're very welcoming. And they're very good at uh, communicating with us. And if we could ask them any sort of question relating to esports, you know, something if you wanted to know something about control, if you were unsure about something, course related, anything really, we could speak to them about it. And yeah, you could definitely speak to one of our teachers about maybe, you know, get, getting a sponsorship. How could I go about approaching a brand for a sponsorship? That sort of thing. So Nick, how do you teach? How do you teach networking? Um, I think there's, there's kind of different ways of doing it because when it comes to networking, you teaching it, is very different to doing it um and what they see through qmc both through the the, the social channels the official <coughs> social channels through the college plus the esports specific channels through the college plus um myself and james and stuart and the way that we network through uh platforms like linkedin um you know as well as as, as well as the less business orientated uh platforms um, you know, they kind of see what we do, you know, and they can see how when we're posting things and we're tagging people and, um, you know, the, 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 um, the imagery that, that's being used. But if I'm being honest, Tom, you know, I think the, the younger generation, you know, like we learn more about social media from, from these guys than we could potentially teach them. I think in terms of networking, it's about the approach, the way that you approach and the, the you know, one of my biggest things in business is if you don't ask, you don't get. And, you know, I will, if I think I should speak to somebody because I, it will be beneficial for my company or my students, um, I will always put that out there. I, I, I will never hold back because and say, he's not going to talk to me. Why would he talk to me? He's the CEO of the biggest orcs, uh, esports org in the, in the country. Um, and, you know, it's still, even at my age, you know, I've had like businesses for the last 25 years. It still surprises me now when I, when I email, uh, or contact certain people, um, and request a catch up, a chat. Um, and they say, yeah, sure. You know, and then before you know it, you're speaking to them and you've kind of like opened up another network of people through one person. Um, and, you know, I, th I think it's something that you, you're either comfortable doing or it can be quite difficult and if it's quite difficult then that's where you can teach somebody the ways the methods the confidence to, to to do that and show them that it's possible to connect with these people but you know george ben and harry and will here you know they really kind of don't need much in the way of it's more of a nudge tom you know I, I, it's more of a nudge you know that they might come up and say nick we want to do this we want to thinking about that and it's like they already know that they're going to do it and they want to do it, but it's just giving them that confidence to a hundred percent. That's exactly what you should be doing. You know, well, how would I go about what, you know, what should I say? You know, and those are the kind of things like going back to the conversation that you had earlier, Tom, about, um, the approach to the sponsor in, uh, at Red Bull, you know, that that's not the, that's not the way to do it, you know, and there are certain things that you shouldn't do, but if you just open up conversation, you know, and conversation is key to everything, then, you know, that conversation then develops into a business conversation or a networking conversation, as opposed to, 
um, a friendly chat about something that you and whoever you're talking to is passionate about. You know, if you share that passion, then there's already a common interest. And it's just kind of like tapping into that to then explore opportunities. One of the things I want to kind of follow up on here, kind of as we wrap up, I can just keep talking and talking. Uh, I've got, I got tons of questions. Oh, um, because I, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation for the audience to have to hear from people who've actually done it. I want to talk about the future because Nick, I mean, um, I'll let you go last, but one of the things in teaching, if you're a teacher, you're teaching people for the future. You're training these people for their careers that are going to last decades out there in the future. If you're training chartered accountants, you're probably pretty sure that it's not going to change a whole lot. Esports in, in 10 years from now, in the year 2030, there's going to be all kinds of jobs out there we didn't even think of right now, which to me is part of the fun. I mean, it makes it a little tougher for being a, an educator, but it makes it more fun for being a student out there. So I just want to go around and just ask all the guys, just you from your experience on what you've been doing and your experience from the, you know, on gaming and esports, where do you kind of see the future going, Harry? Sorry, could you repeat the very last question? I had everything up until yeah, well, that bit. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. It's like, where, um, um, where do you see the future of esports going? What, what are the kinds of things that are going to be happening 10 years from now that aren't happening now from your vantage point? Because you're, you can look at it completely different than where, where I'm looking at it. So just interested in your take on where things are headed. I felt that's a tricky one because, as you say, esports is very, it's very new and it's a very sort of industry that's kind of growing year by year. So I feel like in maybe five, 10 years time, there are hopefully be a lot more jobs that people wanting to get into esports can get. Like, as we all mentioned earlier, there's so many opportunities now, but I feel like there may be a lack of it because naturally the industry is growing. So hopefully in like five, 10 years time, there's more jobs for people like us when we get through a higher education. And we're looking for a job. There's something there for us. So I, naturally, I think these the industry, you know, the numbers, they're mental. They're honestly incredible. They, it's bringing in millions and billions. So it's, it's, I think it's only a matter of time before the industry gets a lot more jobs coming in. So hopefully, in maybe five, ten years' time, there'll be more more sorts of roles that you know people can pick up and take on. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Will? What do you what, what do you see? This is kind of a stab in the dark. Kind of thing, but 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 also you you already have a perspective on where things were when you first started playing games and where they are now and how different it is. So so where, where are we headed? I think the industry is still quite like grassrooty in a way. Like it's quite small communities, but I think in a couple of years' time, as Harry said, there's going to be more big businesses that offer like actual career paths and kind of just more like stable career paths into the esports industry and actually invest money into it because it's a growing sport. It's you know it's getting bigger and bigger each year. Um, and it's taken over some actual traditional sports, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, th I think later on down the line, I think we'll see like more stable career paths in esports because right now it's a bit. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities, but it's just a bit, bit iffy, really. Yeah. It, meaning iffy in the quality of jobs, the quantity of jobs, the stability of jobs. I think the stability is definitely a big one, uh, but also the quantity as well. I mean, there's not that many. If you look on LinkedIn, there's not that many career paths. Uh, in esports, but I think they are growing definitely. I mean, if you look at it from the start of when we actually started a college course, I looked up esports jobs and there were like two or three, but now there's like twenty or thirty going. So it's definitely growing, but it just needs time. Yes, yes. How about you, Ben? Where's, where where do you think the future is headed? Um, I definitely think it's going to grow a lot more than what it is now because it's just been getting that growth each year, every year. But I also think a lot more regular businesses are going to get into esports. So, like in the UK, we have the BBC. I know, I know for a fact they want to do some esports programs and stuff like that. I think that's going to be integrated more with any sports like television and stuff like that. I also think other companies that aren't in esports now are going to look to put some money into it because you look at football, it's so big now. And obviously it starts from somewhere and so does esports. And I just think that one day like esports will just be that big. I, uh, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there because one of the things I think here in the U S anyway, people are, are looking, particularly in the entertainment world, it's like, People are, people want to have access to the esports audience. And it's like the esports audience is not watching broadcast television if they even know what broadcast television looks like. It's like, so they're going to have to chase that audience and figure out ways to do it. So I think you're right that there's going to be a lot of organizations jumping in there. How about you, George? What, what's the future look like? Um, I definitely think it's going to be more mainstream. Um, 
and I think I've already seen changes like that. So pretty sure today or yesterday, um, I think I think it's an American company called Cineworld. Do you have Cineworld over there, or like the cinema? I think it's called something like it's a cinema um, chain anyway. Um, and they've just announced that you can watch the Blast TV major in the Paris and then cinemas now, which is just shown how much um, esports is taking over. And if you think of that in a broader scale. You're not going to be able to watch a football game in a cinema. Like you're not going to be able to watch the Champions League in a cinema. Um, so if you think of it from that perspective, it's definitely like making people think, "Oh, this is actually a good career path," or "This is actually a potentially sustainable industry which I want to go into because I like games." I think that we see a lot of what you're describing there. It's like, yeah, um, movie theater cinemas here are definitely it's like trying to fill the seats. And how did they do that? My favorite one was uh, when Mortal Kombat, the movie came out. I, I saw the video of uh, um, uh, Mortal Kombat. They were playing the game and they're showing the movie at this theater in uh, in um, Nigeria. It was just it was just crazy. They were having so much fun uh, doing it and just such a great connection. I mean, Mortal Kombat, the movie was you know particularly good for it, but but just overall to make that connection out there. So uh, the other thing that we're seeing a lot here in the U.S. is uh, commercial real estate. It's like shopping malls are going away. It's like, so what do you do? What do you do with all of those, um, you know, all that space? One of the things, if you're opening an esports venue, you, you, you're someone that those developers want to be talking to because you're going to be bringing young people to your, um, your dying mall. It's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's a good place to be. So things are changing. So Nick, what's your, what's your take on the future? Do you know what? It's really interesting listening to the lads talking about it because it's when you t teach it, because of the way that it's changing and how quickly it's changing, it's, it can be quite difficult to, to kind of explain some of those concepts. And, but clearly they've picked up on quite a few of them, which is really like, which is good, but it shows their knowledge, but also it's quite rewarding in the sense that we're, we're doing something right by, in the way that we're trying to explain the way the industry's heading. And they, and they touched on almost all of the points that, that I would raise in a big discussion in the sense of, you know, currently esports is under monetized, um, you know, with such huge aud audiences and, and people wanting to get in, into it. Like you say, they, you know, they want a part of that audience. We're not making the money that we should be making, you know, and if you can compare the figures for the, like the Premier League, the Football Premier League, um, and, and, and compare that with esports, they're not even close at the moment. Um, and I think there's elements to that. And, and there's reasons for that. So we had a massive influx of sponsorship money and people are suddenly, people are realizing that, okay, well, what am I, what's my ROI? What's my return of uh, an investment for the, for the sponsorship money that I'm putting in? And they're starting to question it. So that's kind of like slightly withdrawing. At the same time, you've got, you know, we've got snippets of, we, we had the Commonwealth Games here last year and esports featured in that. We've got the E series at the Olympics. Um, and it's about putting esports into the mainstream, like George said. And, and the minute that that happens, all of a sudden, the acceptance of esports is not just people playing video games and, and the recognition that it's just like any other sport. You know, they're, they're, there's 80,000 people in an arena and there's hundreds of millions of people watching online. Um, and, and, and that's going to create, um, you know, an interest and a financial interest and benefit to, to the industry. You've also got the, the issue at the moment whereby it's the bigger orgs, you know, the, the fanatics of this world um, that kind of they're, they're, everybody knows them. They, they dominate. Everybody wants to go and work for them. And the grassroots system and structure here will, it needs to and it will continue to develop because that's where your job opportunities are going to increase. Because at the moment, if everybody's just trying to get into these major teams, you know, that's a struggle for everybody. Whereas if we, if you look at traditional sport and the hierarchy of sport and the way that I'll use football or soccer as an example, you know, where you have FIFA at the top, then UEFA for Europe and the, the other continents, and then the national uh, governing bodies, there's a very clear structure to it all. And there's very clear leagues and systems. Everybody understands it. It gets the coverage. So, you know, you have match of the day here on a Saturday night, which covers the Premier League. And directly after match of the day, you have the EFL, which covers the, the lower leagues, but it's still mainstream telly. Um, and all the time we've got the publishers that are running the games and making good money and running the tournaments and the leagues and everything, you know, that's, there's an element of, well, why should they change that? Why, 
why would they change that? Why would they want an, a governing body to come in and restructure, reorganize uh, and do those things? But I also think in terms of longevity and future development of esports, I think the publishers are now kind of starting to recognize that. And I think there's two, there's two distinct sides within the industry with people that work in the industry. One of which doesn't want anything to do with the governing bodies because they think they're a waste of time and just trying to chip in. And then you have the other half that see the future. The essential part of the future is to be working with those governing bodies to create this fair structure, this, 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 thing that people everywhere in the world understands it's fair play it's fair competition everyone's playing you know on on the same uh competitive level um and until we get to that point i think we'll always under monetize so for me the way you know the side that i'm on is sort of like the governing body side and that kind of like structure you know and if you look at sort of qatar and the way that qatar we've only recently in the last couple of years set up their esports uh governing body they are setting up in a proper structure like we have in football. Football's been around for 130 years. It's, it, it takes time to develop. You know, that's why all of those basketball, M- NBA, uh, they all have this structure. And esports, I think, should that's what we need to create that stability. And that stability will also then increase the job opportunities at a whole different range of levels because that will then become probably the biggest entertainment industry in the world. One of the things that I think is um, certainly in the U S but I think one of the things that's always going to keep esports in, in a much lower tier is the lack of media rights. Yeah. Because the thing that funds any NCAA, I mean, the two teams here in LA shifted to a different, um, a different um, conference. And everyone's like, Oh, that, you know, they're, they're not going to be in the, in the pack 12 anymore it's like yeah they move there and they get a hundred million dollars a year more in media rights it's like it would be a no-brainer and one of the things that i think and it, it, it's a much longer discussion than we want to have here, but it's just the, the whole concept of uh esports is giving away media rights for free and it's kind of been the, the way the model is set up and i think it's going to come back to bite him it's like i can't see yep. that ever changing but you know you're just not going to have um media rights in the kind of uh, same level as you have it for you know, here, it's like, you know, American football, college football. Wow. I mean, just the, yeah. the amount of money. I mean, of course, then you go into the professional sports and it's just like the only reason that the Dodgers are worth billions of dollars is because of the, the media rights that they can generate. So, yeah. but it's, it's a longer thing. And I don't think anyone is, is, has been talking about that enough or trying to figure out how to somehow uh, fit that into the conversation, but that, we're going to keep that for another day because you, yeah. you guys, you guys have games to play or studying to do. It's like, uh, that's the one thing I, I did hear you say is <laughs> I think you said there were no, no exams at the end of the year yeah. for this. It's like, yeah, that's sign me up. It's like, that's, uh, <laughs> that would be completely different. So yeah. again, I really appreciate you guys taking a little bit of time here. So, um, it, it's Harry, Will, George and Ben of control sports go out and check them out we'll put links here so that you can go do that thanks to all you guys and thanks nick thank you very thank much you. thank you so thank much you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. this is the gamers change lives podcast and this year in season three here we're doing two new two new things one of the things is we are um we have worksheets you can go to the, the website gamers change lives podcast and you can Continue the conversation with some, um, some worksheets there. And we also have a new Facebook group, not a fa- page. We already have a page, but we have a group. So you can go and check those things out. So again, thanks for listening. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded and so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at gamerschangelivespodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening. <laughs>